All right. Good morning, everyone. I'm hearing my volume from behind me because I'm in my car. But good morning, everyone. It is Wealth Wellness Wednesday. Super excited. We got a great guest on. But good morning, everyone. This is Carol Sue, a.k.a. Naughty Boss, live with you. Sisters. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Janice, a.k.a. Wellness Diva 5.0. And we have the amazing opportunity to chat with Miss Jill Bucaro today. Jill is an integrative health practitioner, and I can't wait to get into today's discussion. There's so many things we want to cover, but we think today we're going to talk about our children and health. So first of all, Jill, welcome to the Two Sisters podcast family. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. Wonderful. So as we were chatting, you, um, I know, are in the process of doing a TEDx talk, which I think is amazing, and you're going to be chatting about children's health, so let's kind of dive in with that topic. Sure. So it all kind of started with my own journey, as most of the health journeys start with, and I had a son who, you know, between like two and four, was just an awful eater. I mean, he was just a terrible eater. And everything in me wanted to just kind of like walk away from the table. I remember at one point I looked at my husband, I'm like, do we really have to eat every day? Like, I just couldn't do it anymore. But he had this failure to thrive looming diagnosis. Like we weren't there yet, but it was, it was looming. So I needed to stay at the table and make sure that he got food in his body. So that's kind of how it all started. And what I realized is that, you know, we think as parents or grandparents or teachers or counselors that the battle that we're fighting at the tables with our kids, but I really started to realize it's, it's not, it's with adults. <laughs> we're kind of setting the stage for how our kids eat. And one of the, one of the, um, you know, icebreakers here was I found myself saying, if you eat the broccoli, then you can have dessert. And I was like, whoa, it stopped me in my tracks one day because I was like, hold on, I'm making this innocent nutrient dense broccoli, the bad guy, you know, like it was the chore that he had to get through. Then he could have the dessert, the prize, you know, the awesomeness. And so I felt like, oh my gosh, we've been setting up the food, the healthy food as the bad guy for as long as I can remember. I mean, all of us probably remember hearing some version of that growing up. And so, oh, yeah. you know, I didn't think anything of it when I said it to my son until I was like, whoa, wait a minute. So it really started my exploration of like, what else are we doing? Like, what else are we saying about food that, you know, has an impact on how our kids are eating? And so there's things that we were doing in our house, but then I even expanded that. I'm like, wow, parents have a lot working against them when it comes to eating healthfully and, you know, things like marketing and, you know, um, there's uh, $14 billion a year spent on advertising um, from food, beverage, restaurant companies, and more than 80% of that promotes fast food, sugary drinks, candy, unhealthy snacks. I mean, this means like an average kid is going to see 11 to 12 TV ads per day for this kind of food. And, you know, it's been shown that when they see ads for that kind of food, they tend to choose that kind of food. 
And I, you know, I think by choose, they mean, you know, beg for it incessantly until they mentally break their parents and the purchase is made, <laughs> but they say choose. <laughs> and, um, you know, so that's kind of like, you know, what one of the things we're up against. And even if your kids don't watch TV, you know, not to worry, there's a lot of other places that this marketing shows up. Um, you know, the internet, sports sponsorships, kids' clothing, toys, parks, playgrounds, you know, the packaging, all the cartoon characters on cereal boxes, cookies, popsicles, you know, fruit punch, and it's all at their eye level. If you've ever gone shopping with a child, all of their animated friends are at their eye level. I mean, it makes it impossible to avoid, you know, and then those are the foods that show up at parties, holidays, um, you know, camps, schools, community events. So it's really, you know, it's really hard to avoid. Um, so parents are really up against some things, you know, some big things when it comes to trying to, you know, feed their kids healthy food. And one of the, you know, I think most sinister places and hidden places is school. So $140 million per year is spent on in-school marketing of food. And these are show up in things like um, signs, posters, fundraisers on buses, um, on, you know, uniforms, sponsorships, scholarships, all this kind of stuff. So, you know, yeah, you can avoid TV and maybe you can avoid the internet, but it's hard to avoid school for most parents. And to know that that kind of money is going into advertising, you know, lots of schools have partnerships with fast food companies, big food companies. And so, and this is also where you're not with them, right? Like they're there to make choices without you. So, you know, it's a thing <laughs> that we're up against. Wow. Now, so the first question, I just want to back up a little bit. Yeah. You know, we've all been through the broccoli routine yeah. um, and I'm sure I'm guilty as a mother of doing that myself. But you had mentioned your son having a looming diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so if you can explain a little bit about that, because I think it would really benefit um, the parents out there that are struggling with getting their children to sit down and eat. Yeah, so great question. So once I kind of realized like how we were talking about it, what was kind of going on in the world, I kind of adopted these three steps um, to slowly get him to where we kind of wanted to be. Um, because I think that's one of the, you know, errors we make, or one of the misconceptions is like, okay, we got to turn this around, you know, like tomorrow, we're all going to be the family of, you know, sprout salads. So what I started doing is just taking small steps. Um, and so I was identifying the foods that he liked, identifying the foods that he didn't like, and trying to just find patterns. So that was kind of the first step. Like, was there some reason he was refusing, you know, this particular food and not this particular food? So I was just kind of make, trying to make connections and tracking can be really helpful in this. Like when it was all in my head, I, I really just couldn't figure out, like, it seemed like there was no rhyme or reason. When I started writing it down, it, I could start making connections. Oh, it was a texture thing. Oh, it was a, you know, tangy thing. Oh, it was a, you know, you can start to kind of identify the patterns of what, you know, what they're, you know, refusing and what they're enjoying. So that was part of it. Um, and then I, so my three steps, and I, again, I just emphasize doing these so, so small over time. 
um, I was finding healthier versions of what he was already eating. So if he liked macaroni and cheese, for example, I was going to look for an organic macaroni and cheese, one without food dyes, you know, something like that, something without added sugar, preservatives. So all I was doing is taking what he liked and I was trying to level it up a little bit. So that was one thing. And again, it took some trials. It took, you know, multiple trips to the store. Like, okay, I found this that he likes. Great. That's solid. Now I can move on to something else. So that's what I would encourage, you know, as a first step is like, look at what they're enjoying. And like with peanut butter and jelly, for example, like there's peanut butter with added sugar, added oils, added color. And then there's natural peanut butter with just peanuts and maybe some salt. So, you know, just looking at those kinds of things um, are what, uh, what I was my first step. And then I, it sounds so simple. I slowly added in the good stuff and then I slowly eliminated the junkier stuff. So I would find ways to add in foods that he liked. I identified the foods that he really liked. Like he loved strawberries, you know, he loved green beans. He loved, so I was like, I made an effort to have those all the time on hand. So it's like, at least he could have this, at least he could have that. Um, and then slowly eliminating the junkier stuff. I was just taking a look at like, okay, I'm going to, you know, avoid things with artificial colors. I'm going to avoid things with artificial flavors because, you know, through this journey, what I also realized is like those kinds of ingredients, artificial colors, artificial flavors, um, artificial sweeteners, sugars, hydrogenated oils, like you name it, all these preservatives, you know, pesticides, et cetera, they have an impact on our kids in ways that we normally don't connect to, like focus, attention, sociability, energy levels, sleep. You know, we kind of associate maybe a poor diet with like, oh, they might, you know, gain weight or they might, you know, but it's, it's really beyond that. So I started to kind of look at how to get those kinds of things out of our plate. And I have to say now he's 12 and he eats salads and he eats whole grains and he asks for vegetables and fruits. I mean, we were there. Like, so I feel like I was, you know, felt as hopeless as anybody and, but we're here. So these are some of the things that I did. I made a lot of errors, but these are the things that I found out when I put it together that worked. You know, interesting, interesting enough, you know, I went to that kind of that that field years ago when uh, my son, who's now 39, uh, was having issues back in the day with the, the dyes. And I don't think Americans know this. And I recently, you know, through all my discoveries, is that there's a lot of manufacturers in the United States that obviously have those ingredients, the added dyes, the added sugars, the added chemicals. And ironically, they make the exact same packaging and box minus those ingredients in other countries. You're and right. it's, it's an interesting, like, so you kind of wonder like, well, why is it okay in the United States? Yet these particular additives that have been proven to be harmful to not only, um, you know, it, it could be about the, the, the child's attention, it could be their skin, it could be allergic reactions, it could be uh, their sleeping pattern, it could be, you know, now they're having issues with their gut. And ironically, those same bad things by the same manufacturer are eliminated when they're over in another country. I just thought, hmm, not a fan of that. It is definitely something to consider regardless of 
how you feel. It's just like, why, why would that be? And where are the, you know, policies like in place where, um, and, you know, it kind of, you know, the schools is a good example, but I mean, really just, you know, like the FDA, the nutrient levels, you know, just recently, I mean, a few years ago, maybe several years ago, you know, they fought to make ketchup and French fries like vegetables in the school system. So, I mean, we're really like, you know, it's, it's like I said, the battle's not with our kids. It's with, you know, government policies and school, you know, meals and, you know, these big food companies and marketing and things like that. Um, so I totally agree with you. And I, I think you're right. Most people don't know that, um, that, you know, they don't literally a different product made in Europe you know, without the dyes, without the, because they have stricter um, rules there. So I think. And I'm going to also let anyone know out there, any of our audience or viewers, uh, I actually have the the copies uh, of the box uh, with the ingredients with the different countries. And I, you know, I kind of stumbled across that years ago, but it's more prevalent now more than ever. Um, So it really is important for everyone to, to read the labels to understand what, you know, dyes don't have any place in our food. There's no reason for it. Uh, You can get natural coloring just by adding different fruits to make it natural coloring. And it's just not necessary. Uh, Children don't need bright color things to eat them. And the point about eating healthy has to, the narrative has to change. Eating healthy is not a bad thing. Eating healthy doesn't not taste good it tastes very good but for whatever reason people have a preconceived notion that eating healthy is eating carrot sticks and celery sticks while the celery is good the carrots aren't so good because they're full of sugar so you can make it fun Mm -hmm. you can make it inventive and it starts at a very young age yeah, I agree. It's how we talk about food. I mean, you can't, you know, be like, ew, Brussels sprouts, and then expect your child to eat the Brussels sprouts, you know? Exactly. I mean, and that, and that I think for parents, you know, like now we have to take a look at how we're eating, right? Like if we're going through the drive through every day, like that's, we, you know, kids mirror us, whether they know it or not, for better or for worse, you know? So we kind of have to set the stage. And I do think that, you know, taking the emotion I don't want to say completely out of food, but like with regards to a choice, you know, instead of being like, I, you know, I know you don't really like salad, but you know, we're going to have it tonight. It's like, Hey, we're having salad. Which dressing would you like? Like, that's it. You know, this is just kind of what we do and it's not going to happen overnight. And that's what I think, you know, if, if you're not there already, it's not going to happen overnight. But what I did, one of the things I did is I started putting you know, whatever healthy food in, in my mouth. And I just was singing its highest praises. I was like, oh my God, these Brussels sprouts are so good. I can't even believe it. I wasn't even talking to him. I was kind of talking to my husband or kind of talking to myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I, I wish I would have made more. They're so good. And I just kind of kept at that meal after meal after meal. And at some point he was like, I, I kind of need to get on the, what's going on with those Brussels sprouts? I want a piece of that. Um, but it really is kind of like our um, taking a step and back and kind of like viewing like how we're talking about food, what environments we're putting our kids in, you know, like, and, and part of it is like, it's society. It's just how we do it. Like, oh, you got good grades. Let's celebrate with cupcakes. Oh, you're feeling sad. How about a cookie? You know, like, it's just what we do and what we've done. So we do have to kind of flip it. But I think small steps over time is the way to do that 
that yeah, absolutely. Story, like crazy here. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> and never, I'm in Los Angeles, never thunders, but today. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You know, and all that information is so important. And there is so much truth to how we are talking about food with um, celebratories, with if we're feeling sad or whatever it may be. So I have kind of an off the beat question and I love asking it because I love getting different takes on it. With all of your knowledge and skills and being in the integrative practitioner realm, in your mind, are there any bad foods or would you say that maybe this isn't so healthy? Like, is there a different food group that you may stay away from that you consider to be bad? So I think yes, but I wouldn't call it bad. You know, I want to be careful with the language with like, especially our kids, like this is bad because, you know, sometimes we all like want ice cream and that's okay. But there are um, like, I don't know if it's food categories, but maybe like ingredients that I would, I, I really consider negative. So artificial colors, um, flavors, and sweeteners, like anything artificial, I would say like, it's just, it's, our body doesn't understand it. It's not, our body doesn't know how to process this and usually results in like something negative or reaction, you know, digestive upset, something like that. Um, so those, and then really like refined sugar, I don't say carbs because like sweet potatoes a carb and you know brown rice is a carb and I wouldn't avoid those, but like refined, you know, like the crackers, the white bread, things like that. Those are like not to avoid, you know, a hundred percent, but I would say if we can lower those and increase like our healthy proteins, um, even you know, whole grains. I'm not against whole grains. I know some people are like not, um, you know, fruits and veggies. Um, I think that more whole foods is really the way to go, regardless of kind of what you eat. So if you eat, you know, an apple, that's a whole food, like an apple muffin or apple candy, right? Like those are processed foods. So if you can stay to the whole unprocessed foods, it's hard to go wrong, to be honest with you. Like, you know, and then you just kind of have to determine what's going to work for you. Like dairy doesn't work for everybody, but it might be okay for you, you know, and then you kind of just see how that works. But those artificial additives, which usually find their way into processed and packaged foods is where I would say like to try to avoid. Wow. I don't I know if that was helpful yeah. too long. <laughs> no, I love how you explain that because you're, you're taking away that negativity, but you're saying, you know, that you really need to take stay away from as much as possible, um, you know, and especially if you're having some type of dietary uh, restrictions, because maybe after you eat something that has a lot of dye in it, you're, you're getting ill, you sh shouldn't have that. So you definitely should stay away from um, the dyes, the, the colors, the refined sugar, um, <laughs> the unprocessed, stay away from the unprocessed focus more on the whole foods. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you can, and that can fit into kind of a, a lot of different, you know, if you're plant-based, if you're paleo, if you choose to do low carb, you know, whatever, if you really stick to whole and unprocessed foods in whatever category, you know, style you try to eat, I think that's really the best way to go, um, you know, for you and your kids. <laughs>
Right. Hey, Kasu, you know, we always love chatting about the food sources <laughs> and we chat about this often. What do you think, Kasu, as far as uh, what's maybe one food group that you do stay away from? Like, how is that affecting uh, Dairy would be probably my number one right now because, you know, a lot of people don't understand the myth, uh, just like with the dyes and the added chemicals, there's a myth behind dairy. Uh, the cliche, uh, milk does the body good, it's great for your bones, is a bunch of malarkey, number one. Number two, the cows today and the, and the way that they're treated along with the antibi uh, antibiotics and the hormones and all the junk that they're sticking in, uh, dairy is the number one cause for breast cancer. Now, how ironic is it when you think about it and look at a carton of milk with a pink ribbon, ribbon. It, that's the cause of breast cancer. Um, dairy is not all it's cracked up to be. Uh, it is the cause for a lot of people that have uh, stomach issues that uh, again can lead to cancer, um, can also uh, impact someone's skin, um, their, their just whole way of feeling. And when you think about dairy and it as being whole food and where it's in place of or included in a lot of products, uh, it is a hazard waiting to happen. And that is my take on dairy. I am not a dairy fan. Uh, I have not been for years. Uh, you know, we've talked about if anyone really wants to understand the perspective of dairy, watch What the Health. Uh, it's a Netflix documentary that has really documented the fallacy that milk does the body good. And I'm not saying don't eat it. Um, I don't really deprive myself of any food group, but know the source, know the limitation of what your body can take. Because a lot of time, I think people have more food poisoning than they even realize. Oh, it's just a little bellyache. Oh, it's just a headache. Now who would attribute you know, a headache to an allergic reaction? But guess what? It, it most certainly can be. So I think people have to be more mindful of what they're putting in their body and journaling is an excellent way to track what food groups that your body's reacting. And the only the other piece to that is I could eat a lot of dairy years ago, um, but as you age and or we know uh, every seven years your body goes through kind of an overhaul. So you've got to be mindful of your body. You've got to, your body's telling us stuff, right? It's telling you stuff. Just got to listen to it. So yeah, I'm not a dairy fan. That would be my number one thing to stay away from. Well, I think 75% of the world and 50% of the U.S. is lactose intolerant. So, I mean, out of the three of us on this call, there's a good chance one of us or two of us is lactose intolerant. So, and, and you're right in that journaling, because if you eat something and it, it upsets your stomach right away, you, we can make that connection pretty easily. But if it affects your sleep or your mood or how you wake up in the morning or a headache or your joint pain, like we don't connect that normally to food. So a journal can help you because sometimes those effects are 12 to 24 hours later. And you wouldn't be right. like, oh, I woke up groggy. It was probably something I had for lunch yesterday. You know, we don't do that. So the journaling totally helps you make those connections. Wow. And also eating that late at night as well. You know, if you're eating late at night and certain food groups that you don't realize are bothering you, how many times do you wake up, you had a bad dream or you all of a sudden you don't feel good. Uh, like you said, your joints, the inflammation's already building up while you're asleep. And the importance of sleep 
is when our body naturally repairs itself. So how can it repair itself in a healthy manner right. if we're feeding it things that are just doing the opposite? So we have to be mindful of that for sure. Yeah, definitely for sure. And of course, I'm gluten-free because I have a gluten sensitivity and that came about in my fifties, go figure. But you know, that's part of the process as we gracefully age or even younger, you know, obviously younger people have these issues as well. Oh my gosh, Jill, you shared such amazing, valuable information today. And we can't wait to hear more about your TEDx talk. You know, please let us yes. know when all that is, you know, kind of taking place. Uh, hope you definitely will consider coming on a bit again, because we need to chat a little bit further here. Yes, we can, I can talk for days. So absolutely happy to come back. Thank well, you so much. Yeah. Well, folks, you know, it's Wealth Wellness Wednesday. I am going to turn it over to my sister to just give us a little breakdown of Wealth Wellness Wednesday because she does it a lot better than I do. My name is Diva. <laughs> oh, thank you. This Diva 5.0, turning it over to two. Sisters, and this is Carol Sue, aka Naughty Boss. It is Wealth Wellness Wednesday. A little tidbit it's just about paying it forward. It has nothing to do about the financial amount. So get that out of your head. It could be a dollar, it could be a quarter, it doesn't matter what it is. The point is not to give to something that you already know. So it has nothing to do with donate, donating to your favorite charity, uh, helping your family out. It has nothing to do with that your friend, your family, your foe, your neighbor. It's about having a financial exchange with someone that you don't know. You want to disrupt their day in such a positive way that is going to make them like, hmm, somebody just gave me kindness. So what could that be? You could be shopping. I just went, went to Walmart and because I had to rush back out here uh, after my appointment to get on board, I didn't, I didn't have time to take the picture, but you just leave. I usually try to go like in the baby food aisle. I'll leave a dollar here, five dollars here, kind of near the packaging, because you never know. That may help a mom out that may be struggling. How about obviously with formula? They can't find it. Diapers, whatever it may be. Or at a gas station, you put your credit card in, hold up a bill, stick it in there. You may help somebody, you know, get to work. They didn't have enough to get back and forth to work. And you may have helped that. And guess what that is going to do? It's going to inspire them. They felt that kindness. You paid it for it. It puts out in the universe that good uh, relationship with money. And that's really, it's just very, very simple. It's just a simple act putting out in the universe. But how many people's lives can we change? And that's it. But we are super excited. We're going to get our Wealth Wednesday on. We hope you do as well. Thank you so much, Jill, for jumping on board with us. We love to definitely chat with you some more. But it's just one of those days. We will definitely have you back on. So everyone, we'll see you tomorrow for Trending Thursday. Take care, everyone. Have a great day. Bye, everyone. Thank you.